Military Real Estate, and tonight we're going to talk about Daytona, Indy, uh, GNCC, and anything else, amateur motocross, and we're going to cover all of it. Derek, how's it going? It's going well tonight, buddy. We're going to talk about, we're sitting in the back of, by the way, we're sitting in the back of Derek's toy hauler, brand new toy hauler, it's a Torque. Harlan Torque 371. Yeah, so you'll see this you'll see this vehicle on the outside coming to amateur motocross we're gonna we're gonna get out we're gonna start covering some of the amateur motocross we're gonna cover pro motocross uh, we really want to get deep into what motocross looks like in the state of Florida and if we have the opportunity what it looks like outside of the state of Florida I race enduros Derek races motocross I also do some pair scrambles and uh, Derek's better than I am. I, I, I'm not good. I'm a low-level beat rider. But Derek is a... Oh, by the way, there's the air conditioner. So um, we're going to see what we have. So, yeah, um, we, we kind of came up with this idea here. Um, there's there's not a lot that covers the world of the Florida amateur motocross at all. I mean, you get... Everybody hears the Minios. They hear, you know, the winter ams, but... There's, there's so many tracks around here, and this this is being the heart of motocross itself. Um, so we, we kind of came up with this idea and brainstormed. We, we love what uh, Bubba's doing on the Bubba's World podcast, and um, we kind of want to influence that a little bit. But um, bring in our 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 world um, for everybody to understand, you know, what, what, what the amateur level of riding is. Not with no pros, no, you know, no sponsorship, no nothing, just doing this out on our own and um, what it's like for me and my kids, Trey. And a lot of the other guys that we know um, to ride this this style of riding. Yeah, so. I think I think a good example of that is, is I race hair scrambles enduros, and there's some really this past weekend, for example, David Knight, one of the best riders in the world, was just slumming at the Alligator Enduro. Yeah. Well, I can't compete against David Knight. I mean, David Knight was one of the best riders in the world. Jesse Ansley, who's one of the top Enduro riders, GNCC competitors. There's me, 50-year-old me who races. Guess who pays for that? My wife and I. Derek, when he and his boys go ride, they pay for that. And there's more of us that sit on the couch on a Saturday night and watch Supercross, that, and, and, we, and we study Twitter for the other races that are going on. And that's what we're going to dive into is how does that work? And what we want to do is we want to get to Spider. Dade City, Moto Bros, uh, Tampa, Pax Tracks. Track. We want to get there, there, and we want to see what these parents and these kids are doing that are chasing that dream. Is it a dream to go pro? Is it a dream to to have just a great amateur career? Or is it just fun for the family? Like right now, I will tell you, for me, when I go racing, I take uh, my buddy Jason Crowley. He's kind of my riding coach and my racing buddy. He and my wife, we load up, and it's the three of us. And we go race these races. We're paying for that. And and I think it's important to know that that's a family environment. And Derek, with the investment that he's made in, in getting this toy hauler, that's an investment that he's made for his family. He has three little boys that enjoy riding at different levels. And we want to go into that in depth. And we want to see, like, there are kids that race these big races that just do it because it's fun to hang out with their friends. And I think Derek can talk about that more about his career. 
I've never done motocross chasing the motocross, so I think Barrett can go into that a little more. And it, even just the, the motocross in general, that the environment, like we're, we're both avid race fans. Um, it, it's not like a, like a crazed fan, it's just the, the atmosphere of the entire thing. Um, I introduced my kids to it real young. Um, they were all riding by two years old. And I, I started around the same age, and it's, it becomes it becomes part of your bloodstream, really. I mean, it's it's a it's a whole other world unless you do it. I mean, the people that are going to listen to this are going to understand. And um, as that, like he, like Trey said, that's what we want to dive into. Um, there, there's not a lot out there that, that covers this topic and and recognizes the people that are in it. Um, throughout my career, I've broken more bones. I mean. More bones than you can count on all your fingers, all your toes, twice. It's just, um, it's part of the sport. And, you know, I, I, had, a, I had a rough go at it when I was young. Um, it's just the constant wrecks, the, you know, breaking bones every season or something. Um, and we're trying, what I'm trying to do now that I'm wiser, we're trying to get our kids into it and, you know, veer away from that and talk with the other riders and just get a more, a more knowledgeable, um, race ethic I guess and um so I mean that's about where we're at in life is you know we bought we bought the toy hauler we had a class a motorhome we were running around um to these local tracks and um I'd, I'd like to with my my old career I mean I was an AB rider um for years and um I, I retired in 2013 I compressed my spine at a state championship race and I lost feeling in my legs um that's that's when I decided to call it quits for a little bit but um, now that now that we got kids, uh, it's time for them to, to take the reins, and um, I, I'm slowly getting back into it. But Trey here is trying to push me towards the the not racing side of it, and that's where I think this is going to come into play too. Because I'd like to really review all these tracks for you guys. Um, I do have a good mindset on all the all the racing. You know, I'm I'm no Ricky Carmichael, Bubba Stewart. You know, they're their mentality and their analysis of everything is just out of this world. But I can I can analyze a track pretty well, and I'd really like to give you guys a good review on all the tracks that are down here in Florida. Everybody wants to come to Florida and ride. I mean, uh, there's there's no doubt about that. Everybody always wants to come down here. We got Bike Week, and um, we'll get we'll get into that here real quick. But um, I'm hoping I can provide that for you guys, and we can do this uh, you know weekly. Maybe next week we'll get into talking about Dade City. Everybody knows Dade City. We just had Day in the Dirt up there. and um, Didn't Bubba reference that when, when RJ was leading yeah. the heat race at Daytona? I mean, sure did. Yeah. And that's, these tracks These tracks down here are literally like, you get sand, you get dirt. It's like a mixture of every state in the United States. I mean, it's you look at Dade City, it's pure sand. And then we'll go up to Spider-MX, and that's like northern dirt up there. I mean, it's... It's wild. So down here, and I'd really like to just let everybody know what they're in for. I mean, um, even the Florida riders here that haven't, there's a lot of people moving here. What, 3,000 across the border a, a month or something like that? Um, it's crazy. But, uh, you know, a lot of motocross guys, and hopefully we can dive into that for you and get you a good insight of what's going to happen. And um, I mean, we're, I guess, on our platform to be open to any kind of questions, too. I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd love to talk about my career with anybody. I was no, I was not pro. But, you know, I had, I had some sponsorships when I was younger, and um, we made a go at it. It's my my, uh, my dad and them weren't really into it, so I kind of got pulled away from it for years. And then once I was on my own, I got back into it, and it's, it was a rough go. But, like, I, I want to give my kids the opportunity that I 
case I didn't have thoroughly. And um, just have fun while we're doing it. I mean, it's, it's all about, like I said, it's all about the atmosphere, the fun, the, just the environment. It's just the motocross world, you're not going to find nicer people and more more sympathetic people and just people that all around want to help. I mean, and as Derek talks about his, his starting in racing, I was a late bloomer into the world of motorcycles. Uh, my dad raced cars when I was little, so I grew up on the road. I understand racetracks. I understand racing. And then I got into BMX, and that's where I kind of shined. I was a BMX racer, uh, national level. Um, I, I made some dumb decisions, which then my father, you know, because being a good dad, put the hammers down, and, and that led to me leaving BMX, and then not long after that, becoming a top tennis player. Uh, I know that doesn't even go with motorcycles, but... <laughs> But tennis was, tennis is the reason I'm here today. Um, I was a top-level tennis player, got to travel all over the country, got to go to Europe, play semi-pro, um, got hurt, got into the real world, got married, fell in love, and my wife had only seen me do sports. And we got married, and I wasn't doing anything, and she's like, you have to do something. Well, I wanted to race cars, but racing cars is kind of expensive so um i said well my nephew races uh dirt bikes for amateur suzuki why don't i buy a dirt bike so at 31 years old i bought my first yz 125 and i started i went to dade city and did the motocross school um with raced a couple races been a set of handlebars bigger than poop one night and one of my buddies was like you ever heard of this thing called hair scrambles? And he's like, your time value of money. Well, at that point, I was really economically sensible. So I was like, all right, I'll start doing hair scrambles. And for the next 10 years, we traveled around doing FTR hair scrambles, GNCC. We did some uh, SECA hair scrambles, um, so, uh, sorks. And then I kind of got out of it because my daughter, I am a girl dad, my daughter got into equestrian. So... My daughter got into horseback, and she does three-day eventing. So for any of you that know that, it's actually more dangerous than horseback, uh, than motorcycle racing. So I took about a seven-year break from motorcycles and got back into it in the past couple years. This last couple years, I've been back into it and started doing hair scrambles again, um, became somewhat of an empty nester, and I'm not great. I, I'm, I came into this too late to not understand the fear like I'm scared of the fear of crashing my motorcycle so I don't have this understanding of just go and, it, and the bike will do its thing I hold on to the bike so I am a true amateur novice but I just happen to according to AMA be a B rider I'm not a B rider but according to AMA because of my points I am a B rider but I will tell you straight up when we start talking about my races you can also find my races. I, I GoPro every single one of them. I just did the Alligator Enduro. And um, I kind of cruise through. If you see my pictures, I got my elbows down. I'm cruising through. But I finished fifth in the last race because I don't quit. And that's the one thing that I've never done is quit. And I think that's where Derek and I are coming to on this, on this podcast is we just want to show, like, you don't – most of these, 99%, 
aren't going pro, but there's so many lessons you can learn from being in motorcycles. Like my daughter in horses, there's so many lessons that she's learned. Now, she is what I would term professional at this point, but there's a big difference with being professional, A-Ray, yeah. versus Chase X. Yeah. My daughter right now is A-Ray. The levels are the levels vary. I mean, yeah. we were just talking about this today. Trey and I sat down, and we got a lot of local local riders here in Florida. Like we said, this this place is, is the heart of motocross. Um, most of your guys train down here. The majority of them train down here. Now we got we got our our local teams, the HBI, the, the Future MX. I mean, they're now a, a collaborate, but um, those local guys are winning. These local races. Yeah. I mean, there's nobody better than them around here. What was it Aiden Shive won? Yeah, Aiden Shive just won the Ironman there at uh, Day in the Dirt, I, and that was awesome to see. Boo Sykes. Yeah. I can't. I can't remember who the other winner was now that we're sitting down talking about all this. But um, I didn't get the chance to go this weekend, unfortunately. But um, uh, it drives me crazy when people will sit down and they'll, you know, these guys suck, but those guys don't suck. Those no. guys are they're pro for a reason. They're so good. And the, the letdown on that drives me nuts. Like, these guys are, and they're all awesome kids to talk to. I mean, of course, you get some that can be a, that can be a, a little difficult. But most of these guys are just great guys. And locally, they're just, they're legends, you know. And um, that's the kind of thing that we, we'd really like to cover. And like, like Trey said, most of these people that we're, well, we want to talk to aren't going to go pro. Yeah. I mean, realistically... I know through the career that I've had, even just the riding, just anything in general, you're talking, and if you talk to a lot of these big race team um, owners, it's, it's a good hundred grand a year just into racing to become anything. Just I mean, think about the stuff that we do amateur-wise. Yeah, just the, the investment that we make as a, I mean, Michelle and Trey Real Estate pays for my racing, which is my wife and I. Yeah. And... We've been to, so far this year, we've been to Alabama, mm -hmm. South Carolina twice, North Georgia once, and we've been to North Florida. Yep. And those are all two-night hotel stays, gas, all those. And that's just for what I do as an amateur enduro rider. These motocross races, especially the big nationals, they're a week-long event. Yeah, and they're, and they're expensive. I mean... You look at this toy all I mean most people most most of you guys have probably looked them up. I mean you know what they cost. Yeah. And to take to take your, your wife, you know, like my wife, my kids, I got three kids, two dogs, you know, for us to pick up and leave just for the weekend to go race, it's a very expensive sport. And this is where there's a lot of good riders out there that can't make it just because, you know, financials and, and we we got a lot of there's a lot of good programs down here that, you know, the HBI team future MX team, what they're doing to those guys is unbelievable, yeah. and we're hoping to sit down and talk to them someday, too, because um, they got an awesome program going for the um, Cole Bradford and Aiden Todd. Um, they're, they're two East Coast riders right now, and, uh, you know, they're they're out there killing it for, for being local boys here. Um, and by the way, if they make the night show, they're really good riders. That's a big deal. I mean, it's a they're, they're top 40. They're top 40. I understand they're not making it in the main. But they're good riders. You take those, you take that 40th, 30th place rider in the yeah. night show and put them on your local MX track. 
and everybody, everybody's gonna be sitting there watching. Yeah, they're winning. They're yeah. winning. They're they're really good. I think what we get we get almost bastardized by is these guys that are at the top. They're really that's that that's the creme de la creme. That yeah, that level of racing is is a legendary. I mean, like yeah. like Eli Tomac, that Eli Tomac, Jet Lawrence. I mean, they nobody can move a bike like that kid. Yeah. It, all the years I've followed Supercross my entire life, and the way that that kid rides is just unbelievable. I, and I've had the opportunity to meet him. Um, he's a cool guy, and you know, even uh, Justin Bogle, I met him. You know, Ronnie Renner, some of the legends. And um, well, I just heard Justin Bogle's going to do two fifty MX in Canada. Yeah, I, I've yeah. seen that, and like you, you, you've watched him. He's been at the top, and you know, he floated yeah. back down to the bottom. Look at Dean Wilson. I mean, that guy's been at the top, and he's it's a hard sport. I mean, and it's it is hard to stay with it, and it's not the riding. I mean, it, it is the riding, but the everything that leads up to what we do during the week. Um, you know, Trey runs a business, I run a business. Uh, Trey's wife runs a business. You know, my wife's a speech therapist. We're busy. We got three kids. It's these racers are just like you and I. I mean, they they are no different. You see them on TV, but it's no different than they're running a business. Exactly. I mean, so we're all in the same boat, and. But, but those guys that are riding at that level are just there's nothing you can there's nothing you can say that can, can compare the riding to them and, and quite honestly if you want that analysis we're never I think both of us can agree we're never gonna poo-poo other podcasts no. we're gonna praise if you want the analysis I will tell you go to Bubba's world and listen to him talk about what's happening with Chase Sexton's bike if you want to hear Ricky Carmichael and RV talk about the racing, both of them amazing. These guys are champions. They're 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 second and fourth and the most yeah. winningest riders for a reason. Yeah. I mean, if you want to hear if you want to hear analysis riders talking about what's happening, go to poll. Listen yeah. to all of them because we're not there. We're we're not going to be there. No. But we're also not going to be some of these podcasts that are. We're not doing like the tin foil hats. We're not doing conspiracy theories. We don't know this stuff. We, we literally only know what we listen to, what we read, and what we see on TV. So we're not in the trenches. What's going to happen for us is Derek and I are going to be able to. I, I can tell you what happened to the Alligator Enduro. I can tell you what happened at the General GNCC in Georgia. Derek's going to be able to tell, tell you what happens this weekend at Dade City because those are the things we're going to cover. We're going to. We're fans. We we are fans. We watch the races on Saturday night. My wife and I play Pulp Fantasy. My wife last year missed a national number by I think twenty two spots. She was like one hundred twenty second in the country in Pulp Fantasy. I was further back this year. She's still beating me. I don't haven't figured that out yet. But we're fans. We're fans, but we're also racers in our own right. Both of us have aspirations of. Being in the management side of racing this weekend, I'm taking a step away from motorcycles. I'm going to IMSA, which is car racing, because Sebring is this weekend. And one of my former tennis players is the manager of the second tier series that IMSA runs. But this weekend, there's that second tier series. There's the IMSA main series, 12 hours of Sebring. And there's also the World Endurance Challenge, which is they put these cars, million dollar cars, in crate haulers. And they've shipped them to Sebring, and they're racing a race on Friday. That's where I'm going this weekend because I am a racing fan. 
I'm a racing fan. I, I want to talk about racing. I love motorcycles, but I'm a racing fan. And I'm also, I think Derek and I talked about this. I'm a business logistics racing fan. I love the, my daughter, <laughs> Derek will like this. Last week, my daughter called me twice. Hey dad, I'm on I-75. I passed two Supercross. Where are they going? I passed two IndyCar haulers. I passed a Ferrari hauler. Yes, my daughter knows these because she grew up in this environment. And I had to research, found out the two Supercross haulers were going to Seattle because Indy and Detroit are both indoor races. And so the, that hauler, those two haulers, one was the Will Hall and one was something else I can't remember. They didn't need them in Indy or Detroit. So they were heading to Seattle. And it was like, oh, that makes sense. But that's the kind of stuff that we're interested in. Yes, we want to talk to the racers. We want to talk to the parents. We want to talk to the parents about how are they affording to do this? What business are they in? And we may learn business things that we're interested in. We both run businesses. So that's what we're interested in. And guess what? We are going to talk about Indy this past weekend because that was nuts. We're going to talk about Derek. Yeah, we're going to talk about Derek going to Daytona. We're going to talk about me going to the Alligator. And we're going to talk about me going to the General. And I'm a, my nephew may join us sometimes because he is racing now. He's a quad racer. Let's not judge. <laughs> we all race off-road. And I will tell you, in the GNCC, those quad guys, they're freaking amazing. Amazing. Amazing stuff. So, yes, it's a different form of racing. It's still off-road. And I may have my nephew come in and join us sometimes. And if we can get a local guy to come join us... Yeah. We're going to talk. I may have my buddy that races. And, and, and as often as we can. And I, I have a whole, a whole different respect for these guys. And, and like, and it's vice versa because they have a whole different respect for Trey's watch, watch me ride. You did it. You did it. You did it. I did it. You know, <laughs> Trey watched me ride. Um, and, you know, how he sees me and how I see him. I mean, they're, we have a mutual respect for each other for our, our line of racing. His, his, his racing's not for me and my racing's not for him. I mean, he can't do what I can do on a bike. And quite honestly, I can't, I can't. Keep up with him on a bike for lap after lap, you know, 14 miles at a time. Yeah. I, last year, I ran an FTR race. Trey's like, come out and ride one. And um, over in Bartow, and we, it was a 14, 14, yeah. 14 mile lap, and it was a two hour race. I, I made it one lap. I, and I'm out of shape, I'm old, and um, that's, that's what grew my respect for these guys and um, their line of racing. So, He's talking about his nephew coming in and talking about how he's an active FTR racer and you know GNCC racer, the hair scrambles, all that stuff. Um, that the boys fit, and it, it takes a whole different kind of person to ride that. Where motocross, I you know I just raced things in a few weeks ago. I ended up with some broken ribs. I busted my bike all off. I thought I broke my femur, um, but I had a I mean I had a rough night that night, and I ran practice the two days before they have a Thursday practice every night and um, or every week and I ran that practice and I felt great on that track and, but Trey couldn't go out and ride like that in Dade City I mean it's when he's physically fit to ride when he rides it's just you know they, they go together hand in hand and it, it just shows that how different our racing is but uh, you know how, just, pa- how passionate we are about it just FYI the Alligator Enduro was 69 race miles 75 total miles and it was over five hours on the bike. Now, I'm not racing at motocross speed at all. That's at all. Yeah. But I'm on the bike. It was a seven and a half, seven, and six mile loop. And there was 
we did that three times. Mm-hmm. Nine tests. So that's where the difference is in motocross. They go out and it's boom, 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 and boom, it's boom. Hard, you know, yeah. It's hard. It's hard constant. And, I, and that, when I watch the FTR race, that's that's my mentality. I've, I've, motocross, I've been motocross, indoor, supercross my whole life. That's all I know. Arena cross. And we go. I mean, yeah. if you'll listen, you'll listen to Baba talk and you'll listen to Ricky talk and in this, the 20 lap or the 20, 20 minutes plus two now, but you they don't go hard the whole time. Yeah. Where us local guys, we go hard the whole time. And it's what, four or five laps? Yeah, depending on where we're at. And some of these bigger tracks, you mini O's or you know, Gatorback, that's a big track. So yeah. we're going hard for five laps, you know, that is a 10, 10 15 minutes yeah. straight. Where the FTR races, it's a slower pace. But when I ride FTR, I want to go hard. That's, that's all I know. So I was doing, I, I did really well until I went down and then quit. I mean, I didn't quit, but I just, I knew my body couldn't take it anymore. So I, I had to, I had to stop. But, and that's where you'll find on this, on, on Beyond the Curve, you're going to understand that we respect each discipline. Like, yeah. I would love to get a flat track guy. Yeah. Those guys are freaking, I, I don't know about you, I'm not going on a mile track at 130 miles per hour and sling it into a corner. I'm not. I'm. I'm not doing that. No. And those guys do it, and they're like, "Yeah, it's no big deal." Like you, you tuck in. No, I'm not tucking. I'm. I'm. I'm not tucking. They're on basically what we ride, but with, with like a groove tire, yeah. and they're no, no. I'm not doing that. And riding at our pace on slicks. Yeah. I mean, uh, and and, and uh, no. So we respect each skill level, and I think that's where I grew up from the race car yeah. stuff. Is I appreciate. Those guys, like there, there were guys that raced Corvettes, and there were guys that raced MGBs. They were all racing, and every time they went on the Daytona International Speedway, they could die. Yeah. And, and I kind of learned that respect for me at a young age. So when I came to motorcycles, yeah, I went to the off-road side, the the enduro hair scramble side, but I respect what my motocross brethren do, yeah. and I respect what my nephew does. He's now riding. He's 135 pounds. He's riding a thousand pound, thousand cc four by four, yeah. and I know you know I'm I'm, I'm almost two hundred pounds, and that thing beats the crap out of me. And, and there's no movement. I mean, no, when you're rolling, it's on you. Yeah, it's on you. Kicking it out yeah, of the way. Yeah, there's, it, no, there's no getting out of the way of it. No. And he's and he's finished so far in second, second, and he was up by thirty two seconds on the last lap when he broke in the last race. It should have won that race and finished seventh because he was the first person to get the fourth lap. So, um, and I think, dude, he's 135 pounds, and he is beast handling this thing. Like, and, and no wonder he's tired at the end, because we appreciate what we appreciate what each other do. Like, Charles Rider. I think the Charles Rider guys, yeah, that's, that's we watch that, I watch that on YouTube, and I'm like, these guys are nuts. Yeah. Nuts. So, on the motorcycle side, it's, it's kind of like business. There are multiple businesses that you can be involved in. As a business owner, you appreciate each business. Mm-hmm. We're in different businesses, but we appreciate what each other does. Yeah. So that's that's the, the long story long is Derek and I are both motorcycle racers. He does motocross. His kids do motocross. I do off-road. All of my friends do off-road. Yeah. So I'm pretty much our local motocross yeah, he's, guy. He's the local motocross guy, and we're going to discuss all of it. Yep. That, that's what we're going to do is I'm pretty much a full enduro schedule now. So on my off time, I'm going to go to enduros and hair scrambles. 
And on Derek's off time, he's going to go to the local motocross. And if we have that free time together, we're going to go to the big races. If there's a, because I think there's Gold Cup, there's I4MX, there's the Florida Motocross Series. Yeah. They've already finished the Winter Ams. Yeah. Um, but Florida has three or four series that happen yeah. throughout the year. There's many series. And then we've got the, the EJM Peewee Series. Yep. And, and our kids ride. And, and that's a fun one because that's actually where we actually had the opportunity to run into Hayden Deegan and Christian Craig and actually our, you know, Christian our, Craig and his wife. Christian, Christian wasn't there, but Jagger Craig is there. And, I mean, if you follow motocross, supercross at all, Jagger is with them all the time, everywhere he goes. He just wrote opening ceremonies with with uh, Christian the other day. And our kids became really good friends. They got to ride with Jagger at an EGM Series race at Spider MX uh, up in Wildwood, Florida. And that was just an awesome experience. Now our kids are watching Jagger all the time on YouTube. Um, but and, that, and that's what we want to dive into here is this, this motocross, like I'm from Pennsylvania originally, and a lot of our Pennsylvania watchers are going to see this, but um, motocross up there and motocross down here are two totally different yeah. animals. Yeah. Like, we're with pros all the time. Yeah. No matter where we go, his outdoors, my motocross, we're with pros all the time. Well, it's like this weekend, at my, at, or, or this week, on Thursday, I lined up. Jesse Ansley's in the race. Mm-hmm. He's a GNCC. He's an Enduro champion. He's an XC3 champion in, in GNCC. He's running. He wins the Enduro. David Knight, who's, if just just Google David Knight, and he is one of the top off-road racers in the world, mm-hmm. and he's old now, but he just happened to show up. Yeah. There's also local pros. We go to these, my, my nephew's racing GNCC. We go to the races. All these pros are, like, he actually races with some of the pros yeah. in the morning race, and you go to a date city, you never know who's just showing up to get some, you, you, and some laps. Yeah, and you'll get Tyler Bowers there, you'll get Kyle Chisholm. Yeah. And, you know, Jet Lawrence, the Lawrence brothers are there all the time. Yeah. I mean, just because they live so close. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these riders live right there. You know, Evan Ferry and all those guys, you don't see them a whole lot, but they're here. And um, even when I rode that FTR race in Bartow, I, I rode with Zach Osborne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Zach Osborne is one of those guys that's transitioning from the motocross world sprint yep. to the GNCC. And if you listen, go back and find some of the Zach Osborne interviews, and he will tell you, like, man, it is tough. Like, he goes and rides with these GNCC guys, and he's learning new luck. Like, he's riding. He is a national champion, yeah. supercross champion. And he's like, I go out and ride with these guys, and they're leaving me. They're like, oh, you do this, you do this. And he's trying to learn a whole new discipline. He's also raced the ISDE, but he's learning this discipline now. And that's the fun that we have. Like, where we are, we have Baker's Factory is in Claremont. Um, 83 Compound is in uh, roughly Claremont. We have the Sandbox. Up in Tallahassee, where my daughter is, just north of Tallahassee is Georgia, but in Georgia, it's like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. We now you have Sorby Academy, which is uh, yeah. Justin Marsh's trainer, yeah. Eric Sorby. You have um, Sorby. You have uh, Yamaha. You have, uh, uh, oh, what's the what's the other one? There's uh, Davey Millsaps, the Millsaps Training yep. Center. There's GP, GPF. Cool thing about Millsaps, we got to meet him in Daytona. He was there. Oh, really? Yeah, so I, we'll dive into that. and. Actually, I mean, that, that can lead us right into this. Yeah. Um, the whole Daytona experience. Yeah, talk about that. Because so, that's, 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 this is the 
the world center of speed. They just had the Daytona 500. They had the 24 hours of Daytona. Mm-hmm. And now they go into, and, and for those that don't know, they, uh, the, the Supercross used to happen at the end of Bike Week. Yeah, now now it opens up. And now it opens up Bike Week because the Daytona 200, which is the road race, bike week. was the Bike Week. Yeah. But road racing side has kind of shrunk down to where now Supercross has taken the lead. And Supercross, as soon as the 24 hours of Daytona is over, they start working on that track. Mm-hmm. And then 24 the Supercross, and then you get into the Daytona 200 and flat track also in the same time. So Supercross is now leading the dirt bike world and the motorcycle world in Daytona. Yeah, plus we've got the RCSX. Yep. You know, Sunday, Monday, and the vintage on Tuesday after that. And, and the... And the ATV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I always forget about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, not a quad guy. No, so, the bike week, yeah. bike week is awesome. You have you have the Supercross on Saturday. You have the ATV uh, G, GNCC on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Then on Sunday, you have the GNCC bikes. Yep. Then you have the practice for... Uh, is practice on Sunday for the RC? Yeah. So, so practice yeah. on Sunday. Racing Monday. Racing Monday. I think they do a little bit of racing on Sunday. Okay. Um, and then I Tuesday, can't remember the schedule. I was going to race this year. Yeah. Until, until you complications. <laughs> and then and then you have the ATV, and then on Thursdays the Alligator Enduro. Yeah. And then you get into flat track with the because flat track started on the ninth with the same day yeah. I rode, and then the Daytona two hundred. So literally that whole week is about motorcycles. Yeah. But it starts with the Supercross. Derek had the opportunity to go to the Super Supercross. I did not. So tell me about that experience. We go every year. And I know if you're a fan of this sport, which you're watching this, you are. Um, it's that one race that everybody wants to go to. Yeah. It's that one race that's not a Supercross style. Um, we, we are fortunate enough to get the opportunity to go for the last four years running. Um, every year, it blows my mind. I mean, we know what we're in for every year. This year, we sat in the roost section. Um which is sideline. Um, if you watch the race coming in um, off to the side of the finish line, there was the section that they went under the um, tunnel jump, and then we had the double lane was right in front of us. Okay. So that's where we sat. Um, and just the, oh, the, the day overall there is just amazing. I mean, there's nothing that can compare to Daytona Supercross. So unlike... A lot of the other Supercross races that if you've ever been to one, um, you get the fan fest where everybody's under the tents and stuff. But at Daytona, you walk the NASCAR garages. You, you're in the you're in the pits with these guys. You're watching them work on the bikes. You're watching them come out. You're watching them go. You're, it's just it's an awesome experience. And I mean, if you ever get the opportunity to do it, do it. Um, that's just the beginning of it. Once you get into the racing part, there is no crowd like Daytona. Now, I'm in Indy this past week. That's yeah. That crowd was insane. But you get to watch Daytona at a whole different level. You can't. It's hard to see the whole track sitting where we sit. You know, you get trackside access there. There's so many different opportunities. Um, you, you know, like, Ricky here. Ricky's there. Bubba's there. You know, they're all there. It's just everybody's there. Like I, like I mentioned, Davey Millsaps was there. And that's somebody you just don't see too often yeah. anymore. And ironically, my buddy John Eric, who was with us, he had a Davey Millsap shirt on. And Davey's like, there's my shirt! I mean, it was an awesome experience. He got to get an autograph. He got a picture with him. And, um, but it's, like I said, as far as the racing part, 
it's just so exciting. And the the experience is just out of this world. And my favorite part every year is breaking down the gates. And then you just storm the track. I mean, you get to watch that on TV, but to actually be there and do that is just an opportunity that everybody should get to experience in this sport. And I think people don't realize this. I went to Tampa. My wife and I, we go to Tampa. We have seats that we love. I'm not a people person. I am a people person. That's going to sound weird. I am a people person. But when I go to events, I just, I don't want to be around people. So we have club seats that we sit in. Every year, Supercross has come to Tampa. We sit in those seats. The reason we haven't gone to Daytona is because usually we have something going on. and you guys are usually busy. Right? Yeah, we're usually busy that weekend. There's something going on. And so we went to Tampa, but at Tampa, I've done the track walk. I've done all that, which by the way, for all you Pennsylvania people, I think Supercross is in New Jersey this year. Yeah. East Rutherford. East Rutherford. Go try, pay, pay the extra money and do track walk. We all see it and we're like, oh wow, I don't understand. Go walk the jumps. Yeah. And if you get the experience to do FCA, um, motocross, FCA motocross, uh, look them up on Facebook. If you don't know what they are, they're an awesome church group. Um, they provide you access to, to watch the track walk with yeah. the pros. and um, You don't realize how big those things are. Like, you don't realize yeah. how steep they are. Like, I took my dad to, side note, I took my dad back when uh, Moto, MXGP and Motocross went to uh, WWE Ranch. Mm-hmm. My dad, who raced cars, like, has been on Daytona International Speedway, Talladega Speedway. He's like, my God. I cannot believe how steep these jumps are. I'm yeah. like, Dad, you did 175 miles per hour down like the back stretch of Daytona, and he's like, "But it's flat. This is <laughs> this is nuts." So we we had the chance. I took him to to track walk at Daytona one year, uh, to Tampa one year. So the point is, is like I go to Tampa. Derek's been to Daytona. At Tampa, you don't have the opportunity after the race is over to tackle the track. At da- at Daytona. For the past four years, it's kind of been like almost like a Formula One. You're going onto the yeah, track after it's over. We're blowing the gates. Yeah. We're going through, and you're seeing what these guys are riding in. I I have not rode Daytona myself, but I've experienced these tracks. And for somebody that hasn't, you get to see these roads. You get to see how fast these guys are going and what they're doing. And you're like, holy shit! Excuse my French, but holy shit! Like. Yeah, they're going that fast through that, then there's no way I can really walk in. And to put it into perspective, when we blow through the track, you know, the gates like that, there's Daytona International Speedway workers, the crew, are guarding the finish line jumps, the steep jumps. They will not leave you anywhere near them. These things are so steep, they won't let you even yeah. stand on them because of the dangers. I mean, these these tracks are no joke. And even some of these local tracks, like Spider MX, there's... There are some gnarly jumps on them tracks. That and step up going into the woods yeah. is, is a big, big jump. And, and I will I will gladly, as a technical rider, get into that with you guys. And that, that's gonna, probably going to be in maybe even our next podcast um, to break down some of these local tracks that I have rode and that I've got the experience. Because I've taken, um, we took our buddy Skylar Martin with us when we went to Spider-MX. And he was just a nervous wreck because... You can watch these guys ride, then you get out there and you see just how far up you have to go or how steep this thing is, and it it just it blows your mind. Like if you're not if you're not a motocross rider and you're not prepared to see that, it's breaking that down for somebody like you guys is just something that I'm passionate about because I, I do love the tracks. I love a technical track. I love how they're built. I, 
I love watching the Dark Marks through Market in well, Daytona. That's the awesome. Most, that's the most fun. I mean, I didn't, and I don't know what podcast. Oh, uh, Pulp had it on a couple weeks ago. They had the co-owner of Dark Marks on. Yeah. And they were talking. There's only a six-man crew that they travel with. Yeah. And those guys sitting in Tampa, Michelle and I always went for qualifying because we love going early and watching the qualifying, which if you get a chance to go to Pro Motocross or Supercross, don't just go to the Fan Fest. Like, unless you just want that autograph, go sit in the stands and watch the A, B, and C qualifying. But then watch these guys. They're masters of creating the track back. There's six guys. They travel. They're they're literally on the road all the time. And they make these tracks beautiful. Like, beautiful. And what they can do, I mean, if you look at these past races, you know, these whoop sections that even the big guys were just... Yeah. We I watch Press Day Live, you know, um, Race Day Live yeah, yeah. every week. And if I can, you know, for racing, that's a different story. But I try to have it on here in the toy hall or whatever we got to do to at least watch the qualifying, you know, word that into it. Um, but to watch what these guys can do, like, if, if you see these big riders going down in the whoops and, and they can they can totally regrade that whole track, yeah. in no time to make it rideable and what they can do in a week's time is just unbelievable but tell, tell me a little more about, about Daytona because I know we just had Indy but I think Daytona is such according to Ricky Carmichael it's one of the championship starts but it's also such a different race because we have stadium 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 and then we have this track now this year something new is happening because we're actually going to Atlanta Speedway well, we get, again. We get another speedway so track. we get another speedway track, but then we go to the SMX where we're having Chicago Land. We're having Chicago Land. We're having the Charlotte Drag Circuit yep. four wide, and then we're going to um, the 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 all of all the the the, the Rose Bowl. Was it not Rose Bowl? What's the uh, yeah. Coliseum? Yeah, Coliseum. Sorry, Coliseum. So two of those two of the SMX rounds are going to be in these stadiums. Yeah, and there are riders that perform better in those outdoor-esque tracks, but as a fan, what do you think of Daytona versus the rest of the Supercross as, as a whole? And I've been to other Supercross races as well. Um, like I said, as a, a fan and, and watching the races, it's like I said, it's a whole other environment. The As we talked in the beginning, the, the racing environment in general, the motocross environment in general is just out of this world, and it, it, you know, there's no better people, but when you're at Daytona, everybody's happy. You know, it's yeah. a you get like you know I've been in, I've been to Indy um, this last race here I've been to Detroit and those those inside stadiums are just the football field type you know it's fun but it's not like Daytona where we get a little bit of motocross we yeah. get a little bit of supercross we get that technical track like that I will tell you like what you can't see on TV is I told you I sat right in front of the double lane that double lane is straight up and down that turn was straight I mean it's a wall. Those guys are coming in, they're slamming a wall. So the kind of stuff that you get to see in Daytona versus the other tracks, it's just how they stretch it out and they, they give you more, the sand sections. And I always love, one of my favorite parts of Daytona, watching it on TV but being there as well, is the the camera on the back of the side-by-side yes. as, they go, as they go down the, the straight stretch, the finish line stretch. How fast is that going to as fast as the bikes. Really? So, you know, we're pushing 55, 60, wow. going down through there. And they go down, they turn around, and they come back, and they do it again. And you see it on TV, but seeing it in person, it's 
and it's just an awesome technique of how they're doing it. There's a guy sitting in a seat in the bed of a side by side on the seat and somebody's hauling ass in that buggy yeah. running down running down the, the finish line stretch. That's the, and that's the cool stuff on the that we don't get to see. It's kinda like when we do some of our amateur races yeah. and the guys are flying the drones and or guys have GoPros or guys are shooting video. Like we see all that stuff but we don't really see how it's done. I, I'm sitting I'm sitting at home watching the video. Yeah. You're there. I'm seeing like man, that's amazing. I wonder how those I wonder how they, they, they fly down there. You're saying it's a dude sitting in a chair. That's all it is. And then, like, the spider cams are literally just on ropes. Yeah. You know, cables that span halfway across the track, and it's just a camera that somebody has got mad skills. Because, you know, we talk about the skills that we have to ride. These camera guys are out of this world. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can watch that camera come down, and it follows a bike the whole time. And, you know, they're do- they're going just as fast. Yeah. Down a cable. And it's, it's mind-blowing to see that kind of stuff. And... To get to experience all that, and like I told you, we while we were there, we got to. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania, like I said, and we got to meet up with uh, a local guy up there. He he drives truck for Moto Tees, and we got to sit down in his in his Moto Tee hauler and you know just talk to him. And um, for those that might know not know, Moto Tees is part of the Racer X Productions. It, 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 for the grand scheme of things, is there's Racer there's Feld. And there's Racer X Productions. Racer X Productions runs the motocross series, and Felden Racer X Productions have come together. Um, Racer uh, Moto Tees is one of the brands that, when I was at GNCC this weekend, they had two trailers. Yeah. They had a GNCC trailer for general stuff, and then they had another trailer that was just for that race, yeah. like the t-shirts for that race. So, But they have those at Amateur Nationals. They have yeah, those supercars. They had them at motocross. So those trailers, those guys aren't resting. No, and and that's another aspect that we got to dig into while we were there. Um, like I said, we're not we're not crazed fans. We're we love the racing business. We yeah. love we're fans through and through. I mean, obviously to sit here and watch Race Day Live and to watch all these races and follow them on the passion and go to them, but but to see what goes into these races, especially Daytona. Because Daytona is a massive track. It's a massive organization that they build in a week. And um, to get to be, so we park infield when we, when we go there. And to see the amount of toy haulers, RVs, motorhomes, just little campers, tents that these people bring in, and it's packed. Daytona International Speedway is huge. There's, what, four lakes in there? And this place is packed to the nuts with... Full-blown fans, you know, amateur riders, and it's just that's the stuff you don't see on TV. You don't get to experience all that through a screen, and that's what I'm saying. You get a chance to go, but like I said, with the Moto T's hauler, we got to sit down and listen to that business. And he told us they have six haulers that goes. Six haulers. Yeah, I believe they have six haulers total that go around, and he gets to meet up. He'll 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 meet up with a lot of the other um, like the factory drivers, and you know they'll they'll go to races together, and you know they'll camp out for the night together and um but we get to hear the life of that part of the business versus the racing part or the, the fan part or um and it's the the time and money that goes into this stuff and it's just it's mind-blowing and daytona like I said, daytona's like the heart of all of this um the only year like 
the hardest year for Daytona was the COVID year. That you didn't get the experience that you would get any other time. Yeah. But um, and I'm sure there's people that still tell horror stories about it. But the true Daytona experience is something that has to be experienced, you know, with your own eyes because it's it's out of this world. And I hope everybody gets the chance to do it because it's well, yeah, I'm gonna, awesome. I'm gonna check on our camera. But I'm also, I want you while I'm checking on the camera and I may run to the restroom, I want you to tell us, because we all watched, like, we watched the race at Daytona, because I want to get into Indy and I want to get into Alligator and finish up. Yeah. Um, I want you to explain while I'm gone what it was like to be at Daytona at the finish, and then all of a sudden I'm watching the podium and it looks like a freaking concert. So while I'm checking all that, I want you to explain what that's like as a fan that's there because for those of us that are just watching on TV, it's like, oh, that's cool. That's neat. Yeah, but it's, it's like an experience that most people don't get. We're good. Keep talking. Cut your that. Get you through there. So, when it comes to um, the Daytona finish, we, as we all, we all got to watch uh, Webb and Tomac fight that whole time. I don't want to say fight as well. Just a pure battle and we don't get we, get, we get a lot of racing like that, but we don't get it like that, like Daytona. Um, the, the, the Webb and Tomac battle, that whole race, was just a heart wrench. I mean, you, everybody's gripping the seats, everybody's screaming. It's all these other races, and we'll definitely get into that with Indy here, but the experience of a race like that or the battles um, is just awesome. Um, it's always fun to experience something like that. And to get in it, when Tomac went across that finish line after uh, he made the pass on Webb on that straight stretch there, coming out of the, uh, coming into the turn where we were at under the um, under the bridge there, um, we got to watch that pass and then just the battle the whole time. But after after that win, I mean, Eli Tomac is a monster. Is an absolute monster Daytona. Everybody knows that. And when we, you, you get to experience that win with Eli Tomac alone, um, the feeling of rush, rushing through those gates, excuse me, um, rushing through those gates that are, you know, the, the track barriers. Um, I, I hope everybody gets to experience that at some point in time because, like Trey was saying, it looked like a concert. And you see that on TV, but you don't understand how loud it actually is. And, I know I, I watched back. I seen some of the highlights, and um, Eli Tomac was doing a dance up there. That boy was generally excited. I mean, how can't you be excited about a win like that? I mean, in about an atmosphere where people are literally gung ho for you, and you got an entire crowd blowing through the gates. And um, like I said, I hope everybody gets to experience that at some point in their life. We got Trey back here, so I think jump into Indy here. Yeah. Because I, like I was telling them, the, um, the I heard you talking about Eli dancing, and I'm like, that dude has no rhythm. No, he doesn't. <laughs> but like, but like I said about the dancing, I was telling, I was saying, the, because of the crowd, you don't understand how wild that crowd is that swarmed the yeah. podium. And I was in that crowd. I mean, I got videos, and maybe I'll get a chance to put them up, but we, um, he swarmed that, and it's so loud. And it, he was dancing because how exciting it was I mean, it was it was it's just something if you if you follow supercross which if you're watching this you probably do 
you watch the podium, there's no one there. There's the team owner, maybe, and there's some media. And yeah, wives and family. And, and mechanic. Mechanics. But at Daytona, it was like, it was like Lollapalooza. Like, it was freaking, there were people there. Yeah. And it's like going to, uh, you know, it's kind of like, it's like an outdoor national yeah. or MXDN, where the crowds just, or like, I watch Formula One or, and different yeah, things, and, just and they like crash, they yeah. crash, they crash the, the race after it's over, and yeah. that, that has kind of become the Daytona thing, and having someone that actually gets to go to the race, because we watched Daytona, I mean, I was at Tampa. I can tell you right now, at Tampa, guess what? There was none of that oh, happening. Everybody leaves at the yeah. end. We watch it on the big screen, and people are leaving, and we get kicked out of the stands. Yeah, and, and the party doesn't end afterwards, you know? It's... Yeah, I mean, like, I'm guessing you guys don't have to leave immediately following. No, you know, we, we go into the infield where all the amateur riders are that are coming up for that week, yeah. and um, you, you're, still, you're still there. Yeah, yeah. and just... The, the pros are still there with you, and you're, you know they're right outside the gates, and it's like I said, it's just different. It, Daytona is different. It's you get to experience all these other races, but experience Daytona. Just spend the money, experience it. I would be more than willing to answer any questions, help with flights. I mean, I'm I will get anybody here that I can because it, it is an amazing. Experience. By the way, there is an airport literally across the street from the Daytona International yep. Speedway. So, so you, you can, can look at the runway. Right you can fly in Orlando. You can fly into Sanford. You can fly into Daytona, and you're right there. Like it's it's not it's it's an easy trip, yeah. um, and we all live close by, and we know enough people that if you wanted to come down, we can make that happen. Um, we're gonna jump in. We're gonna fast forward to Indy, and then we're gonna finish up with my alligator enduro and the GNCC because kind of what it happened. It was it was Daytona, alligator, GNCC, Indy, in that order. But we're gonna go Indy. First, because this weekend was nuts. There was nothing like looking at. I was I was at the GNCC and I'm looking at times and I'm looking at pictures of the track and I'm like, God, it's like yeah. a soup. So the excitement of what Indy was this weekend on the Supercross side, we're gonna talk about that. Derek's got a little better analysis. Derek's a little more analysis based, where I'm more of fan base of holy shit, these guys are good. Derek's more analysis, so and when I talk about it, it's going to be just from the, I hate to say more business side of these guys are good, and, and I, I'm more of also the mentality side, where Derek's more from the writing side, but we're going to jump into to Derek's analysis of Indy this weekend, because he was pumped about sitting down and talking about this, so oh my God. I want to let him talk about it, so yeah, I, cut and, loose. And I mean, I remember the race, but everybody is going to remember the 450 main. More enthusiasm than that that main event, but that track all night was just gnarly. I mean, every rider out there was saying how gnarly that track was, and I watched those whoops break down like nothing I've ever seen. I mean, we we've, we've seen a lot of that this year, though. Yeah. Just the whoops are just nasty. But that indie race was. I'm gonna be 100 honest. With you. When I come into the season, Tomac come out with this, you know, this this big lead, you know. Doing what Tomac does. And he started dying off. I mean, he Tomac wasn't Tomac. He's mm-hmm. but he he straight comes up he comes out and says that, you know, if I'm not if I'm not feeling it, I'm not I'm not doing it. So Is that is but is in your perspective, I look at that as like, okay, cool. Like you're you're managing. You're I see managing. that as a, yeah, maturity yeah. and the, the bigger picture. Um and that comes with experience. 
the more I've been watching Tomac, see, it seems like he was struggling there for a while. And I'm like, you know, I, I thought he was done. Like, I thought, I, I never expected to get, I know this is veering off of Indy, but I never expected to hear that he's, he's kept signed, like he's yeah. signed. Yeah. Because I thought this was over. I thought, you know, he's going to focus on his kids. He's, he's here for the championship this year. And yeah, that's he, hasn't, it. he hasn't shut down 24 yet either. No, and that's and I'm I'm mind blown. But um, back to the actual racing. I mean, the two fifty was exciting, but if, let's let's jump into the four fifty main because I know we don't got a whole lot of time. So it was ridiculous. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. These the the way that track broke down after the two fifty main. I mean, go Hunter Lawrence. I'm a, I'm a huge Lawrence Brothers fan, and um, that was an awesome race, but. The the start right off the start, Tomac was just tore up. I mean, yeah. what, I think he jumped off the gate like seventh, or it was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible, terrible start. And um, I thought I thought this is going to be Chase's night. Um, I, I don't down any riders, but um, Chase has his struggles, and he knows that he, he can't keep the bike on two wheels, and it, it's just like I said, the maturity. But is he not the prettiest rider you've ever seen? Besides Jet Lawrence, yeah. yeah, like his his I think Chris Kiefer says it the best is. He is Giselle. But some days, I, I swear to God, that kid needs to go into freestyle. Because the way that bike gets thrown around and he goes off of it, it's just out of this world. Yeah. I, how many bikes do you see to a full 180 off yeah. of a single? I mean, no, I, the, the yeah. way that he even wrecks pretty. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's I think, it's I think they said that about Jet. Like, Jet knows how to, like, the fact that, that Sexton is wrecking, but still, his lowest finish is fifth. Yeah, and, and that's, that's astonishing because... He's wrecking. I hate to say this. I wrecked like ten times this weekend. Yeah, and, and he's wrecking and still finishing on the podium. And if you look, at, if you look at his statistics versus Eli Tomax, at the same stage that Ch- Chase Sexton is at right now, they're pretty much tied up of where Tomac was at yeah. at his at his standpoint. So I mean, Chase Sexton coming up is going to be the competitor from hell. I mean, th- this boy is going to be the next Eli Thomas. Is, for is, sure. is Jet going to put a wrinkle in that? Jet, next year, I've watched Jet. Got to learn. Jet is one of those kids that he just has pure talent. Is he, as some would say, I think Daniel Blair says, is he generational? Or as he says, generational? Is he <laughs> generational? Is he generational? In my, is in is my he pers- a bubba? In my perspective, Jet Lawrence is going to come out there, and these guys have no idea what they're getting into because the way that Jet rides, like I said this earlier, nobody rides a bike like Jet Lawrence does. Hunter Lawrence and Hunter Lawrence will sit there and tell you that Jet is better because well, he learned from Jet. Learned from yeah. him. Jet seen the experience. I mean, he watched the fails, the the ups, the downs, the the whole thing. But Jet is the way he flows on a bike is out of this world. And he's going to be a serious... I mean, you can mark my words. If I'm wrong, you guys can all give me shit. And that's fine. But Jet Lawrence next year, I think, is going to be a force to be reckoned with. So, so we're looking at 2024. We're looking at Jet and Sexton. Sexton, obviously, the, the word is he's not going to be with Honda. He's going to be with KTM. I, yeah, and we... We don't know that for sure, but that's that's what the and, word and is. our podcast is going to get into that. You know, yeah. when that time comes and when all the switching happens, because we got we got Cooper Webb who's up for a resigning. Yeah. We got and we don't think he's going to stick with KTM. He's been he's been having a lot of issues with the bike. He, yeah. as which is crazy. He's having here. a lot of issues, 
and now he's having one of the best seasons and he's he had. Yeah. And a long. I mean, it's funny. Sexton let supposedly he's already signed a letter of intent with KTM, mm-hmm. having his best season. Cooper Webb having one of his best seasons, and by the way, we're now Cooper Webb is the points leader by one point. Yep. Uh, Eli Tomac's leaving, but he's not leaving, or is he leaving? Having, but is Eli going to accept having Cooper Webb as a teammate? Because Dylan Ferrandis, we don't know what he's going to do. Maybe he goes back to MXGP. Maybe he, we don't know. What about Justin Cooper? But we know, we know for a fact that Jet and Cooper and Sexton are all going to be in that class. Yeah. I don't care where they ride. Let's Holy look. shit! Can Let's, you imagine? That's not count out Malcolm either, because Malcolm, yeah, yeah. Malcolm in the beginning of this race series, his past few years he struggled. I mean, the, the, the guy struggled. But is he but, a top three guy? I don't know. He, but he, the guy has had a big weight on his shoulders coming under Bubba. I mean, the, there's no way you can deny that. Yeah. that it, is he free of that? He has. I think he's now earned his own name in, in the Supercross world because this year. I, I didn't have faith in him coming up and doing what he was doing there in the first few races. And it was a shame that he that he did get that knee injury in practice because I think that he could have been a competitor this year. I really do. At least, maybe not a top three guy, but a consistent enough guy to be up in the, the point standing. And I think next year, that's going to... This, this injury could hurt him because of that. I mean, it could it could hold him back. I, I see from what you know what I follow with him. Um, I think he's it's going to drive him harder and next catches year. He's a big fish. He sure is. That According boy, to his Instagram, that, boy, that boy's a bad fish. He's catching some big fish. So with, I, with his crew, I definitely don't think we can count him out for next year. So what do you think all. about Christian Craig? Because like he he was a guy like as a as a warrior, kind of like yeah. a guy kind of behind the the eight ball, and he he. he Perseveres and creates his, this championship, and then he gets this ride. Do we see him? Progr- Everything I've listened to, it sounds like they found that they found what he was missing. Do you think he's one of those guys? Christian Craig's gonna get there. Christian Craig, right now, I think he just needs confidence. Right now, I think he's lacking severe confidence. Um, I'm not a pro guy at all. I mean, but this this. This game is ninety percent mental, and the four fifty class is no joke. No, you're you're playing with the best of the best. Yeah. Christian Craig is a down earth guy. He's a great guy. He's he reminds me of another Trey Kennard. Trey Kennard is my, will and always be one of my all time favorite riders. Um, they're they're down to earth guys. They're they're family guys. They they love their wives. They're they're in it because they love it. Um, Christian Craig's gonna get there. It, he's showing improvements already. Like the it, he had a rough start to the season. It's yeah. it's been rough. It's, he's had a rough go. He wasn't comfortable on the bike. He's not comfortable mentally. He's not he's not coming through like everybody thought he was going to. But he's when he finished this week. I mean, he he was it, did well. He was it bad for him at Daytona that Hampshire beat him. I th- I think that mentally that probably put a damper on things for sure. But the that was awesome to watch but Hampshire he, come out and do that. But if you watched it, Indy. He straight up passed Tomac. Yeah, like I said, he and if you go back, he he said how great he felt yeah. that day, and that was a rough track, and for him to feel like that was a good sign to me because 
he's been struggling and struggling. Because he's a smooth guy. Yeah. He, he's not one of the guys, like, I always picture, like, him on a California-baked track, like, just cruising. Mm-hmm. Indy track was not California-baked track. No, there was nothing and smooth. the fact that he, he went into a corner, high-sided, basically, Eli, and said, I'm taking this position. Yep. And Eli's like, you got it. Knowing these guys are smart. Eli knows if I lose this position, I lose the points. Yeah. And he just said, cool, and let him go. Yeah. And I feel like that, as minor as that was, I feel like that's a good move for a Craig. Because, like, you know Dean Wilson's out this year. He's, he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what's going to happen to Colt Nichols, which, by the way, that dude is a good-looking man. That, 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 yeah. is a, that is a good-looking Good and he's also a good clean racer. Like yeah. I, I feel like I wish that he could stay. I actually feel like next year he would be a great compliment to a jet because knowing that Chase is going to leave, I feel like he'd be a good compliment. Um, but if we go through the top, like Cooper Webb, we don't know what he's going to do. There's there's rumors he's going to to Yamaha. Yeah, I mean there, there's we don't know. rumors that a lot of them are moving. Yeah, and, and Eli and Chase, we know he's. Potentially moving. So, top three right now, we don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. Jason Anderson. I have never, I've been, I've been watching this sport a long time. I have never seen a factory go on national broadcast and scold a rider mm-hmm. like they did. For, for what happened. For what happened to Jason Anderson. Is that something? I also found out this as well in a podcast. Jason Anderson is one of those guys. He has his crew. The, the, the Fried, Team mm-hmm. Fried. From what I've heard, one of his top guys is now not working for him. And I wonder if that affects, because like, he's had his, Jason Anderson for this, you want to study business and racing? Go study Jason Anderson. Yeah. That guy's never going to have to work a day in his life. He's made real estate investments. He's, he's, mm-hmm. he's done really well for himself. But he has a crew. And one of those crews was one of his filmers that now works for Racer X or and Felt, mm-hmm. and he's lost that. I, I don't want, you hate to say it, but you and I both know if if we lost part of our crew, it would throw it us. Would, it would be hard. It would throw us off at that level where everything is so precise. Does he stay with Kawasaki next year? I I don't. I think he's got a good team there. But where I does think, he go? I think. Exactly. I think after what's been happening this year with him and Justin Barsha, I, I don't think a lot of that is intentional. I don't. Yeah. I, I'm a Justin Barsha fan. I mean, I'm a fan of all of these guys. I am. And I, I don't think a lot of that's intentional. I think those two are just so close in in speed and, you know, technicality that they just end up together. That's just this is how it works. Yeah. And does Barsha race dirty? He does. Barsha's got. You're you're a Yankee though, so. You, oh, here we go. Yeah, so this is where the South and the North. Barsha's a nasty mofo. So, <laughs> Barsha, is he a dirty rider? Yes and no. Um, when you're right, ra- I don't. I've never raced Barsha, obviously. But if I'm racing with a guy that I know is like that, I know that's coming. Like I know. Yeah, but even if you know what I'm coming, getting into, he's still, with he still cleans you out. So. Seeing Cirillo in Oakland, in Oakland yeah, got out of his way, and he still knocked him out. There's over. some dirty moves. Don't get me wrong. Justin Barsha puts down some dirty moves. Not all of them are, but his performance this weekend in Indy oh, was beautiful. 
out of this world. And professional. I don't think he knocked anybody over. No, it? no, he no. He he passed clean, he raced clean, he and I, I have heard, I'm guessing, he had some meetings. He had some meetings. Mm-hmm. Not with Feld or AMA, with riders. Yeah. And said, Hey, I'm sorry. Like actually said, and we know a, a, a leopard doesn't change its spots. But he said, hey guys, I'm sorry. There were moments this weekend that he did not do Justin Barsha things. And guess no. what happened? He, he was, freaking he could was, have won. He was up there. And yes. Justin Barsha is out to win. I mean, it's contract year. Sure is. And he's out there to ride. I mean, that's the mindset that he has is winning that race. I mean, are but, you with me though? No, no, I get it. But he's he is he's hurting himself doing yeah. like riding like that. Yeah. And everybody said I, I've heard interviews from him years ago, years ago. He's like, Why do you rub the bike? It's not my ride. Yeah. You know? I can't change it. I've tried to change it, I can't change it. And I think this the the taking people out or taking these these you know, give running them out of real estate essentially Every track, or just taking out the watch I mean, out the front end. In, in Oakland, he did it twice. I don't think he can help it. Yeah. Like I think the guy, it's literally it's just like, like a, grabbing the bike. It's, it's like the scorpion with the frog. Like the frog gets on the top of the scorpion, and the scorpion reaches around and stings him and yeah. says, "Why did you do that to me?" And he's like, "Because I'm a scorpion, so I do." Mm-hmm. Like, I think he can't help it. But I also, I also, excuse me, I also appreciate the fact that it's a contract year. As long as he's with Teal, I'm of the. I wish TLD would move forward and hire another 450 rider. But one of the deals is, is as long as he's on their 450 team, he's the only 450 rider. Mm-hmm. Well, he's earning that right to be the only 450 TLD rider next year. That's another job. Like, you and I in the business world, that's another job. There's guys that would love to have that ride. Like, yeah. the second guy. And yes, in motocross, guess what? There are A and B riders. We all know that. We all understand that. We Just like Formula One. There are A and B riders, and guess what? It's okay if if number one's making two million dollars and number two's making three hundred thousand. Fantastic, they have a factory ride. I wish that TLD would say because they're gonna have some decisions. Let's not let's not slight that Mosman's probably on the way out, and I hear that that's gonna be uh, uh gosh, what's the guy's name? The KTM guy right now. Not by Vial, but the other guy. Yeah, Tom Vial and um. Oh my God, where's my brain? See, we've been talking so much about the Cherubus guy, the the, the, yeah. the uh, Bolin, Bolin, Max Bolin. I hear, I hear that Bolin maybe, but that's part of the KTM group. That they have the KTM Husqvarna and Gas Gas. Well, he's not Vial's here. Bolin's not doing it. We're gonna shift him mm-hmm. to Gas Gas. That's not a that's not a true demotion. It's not a true demotion. You lose a little bit of the freedom of running what you want to run and that kind of yeah. stuff. You have a great bike. You have great people helping you. But I wish that on the Barsha side that they would Barsha would allow another 450 guy. Uh, yeah. I guess that's part of his deal. And as soon as he retires, they're going to go too. They're going to yeah. go too. Um, but I, I think Barsha, we've talked about Tomac. Tomac just didn't have it. Like it just... It wasn't there. He's I mean, not there. Sexton threw it away. Uh, well, well, let's talk about that, that Sexton, because that was the way his bike got swallowed, and that boy just ejected Cito. Yeah. And another pretty wreck from him. Yeah. I mean, it was just a, 
I mean, really didn't gain much. He only gained two spots. Yeah. From the time he crashed. By the way, we're not fashion conscious here, but I will tell you, Sexton's outfit this weekend, when he had his full visor, and at one point they showed him, he looked like a, a Ninja Power Ranger to me. <laughs> the, the way the helmet looked and the outfit, I was like, I, my wife even looked, Michelle's like, some, I some, see it. Some of the gear this year is, is mind-blowing, and some is like, what were they thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt uh, that way with the Fox gear at Tampa. I was like, it was military. I'm like, okay, is this like a radar blurb? What? I didn't know what Fox was had that weekend because they all had the same gear on. But uh, so Sexton looked like a like a, a, a mutant ninja Power Ranger to me. Well, he wasn't much of a Power Ranger when he came off that bike. No, but it's funny is he went he went from twelfth only to tenth. Yeah, he he. I think mentally that put him down because yeah. you know he was up there. He was thinking that this was going to be the week, and he, he was through Tomac. He was, he, I, I think mentally he was there. He, he was yeah. ready, and then that rut swallowed him whole and spit him back out. And I just think mentally that drained him right there because he, uh, he's been. We know he's been struggling with this yeah. over and over and over again. Well, let's talk about Webb. Webb is just Webb is Mister Opportunity. Webb is Webb, and it, that, he is. I, I don't like. like I, I don't. I say this. I only have one rider that I actually like, and that's Tomac. And it's I, I don't really have I like I like all of the riders. I'm gonna say this bluntly. I like all of the riders. We watch all the riders. Yes, but I am a Tomac fan because for years he's just done his job. He's invisible, and he just does his job. There's no whining. There's no fussing. There's no nothing. It's just I'm here. I do my job. I go to Colorado and I live my life. Webb. Roxon, Sexton, you name it, Barsha, all of Anderson, you listen to them, all of them whine about something. Yeah, it's a constant bicker. Something. Yeah. At some point, and Tomac has just been like, I just didn't have it. I, 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 I wasn't on it. And I just, I, I am a, so I'm curious, like, when Tomac retires, who am I going to like? Because I like all of them. I watch all of it. I'm never not going to watch it. But who am I going to be like, this is my rider? And for me, it's going to be Jet Lawrence because... He's kind of the same way. Jet Lawrence is a very hyped-up kid. And, yeah. and he'll even tell you, I get too much press. Yeah. And there was a... I, I still remember, I don't remember specifically what race it was when he got third. And they're like, why is the camera on me? It's a heat race and I yeah, got yeah. third place. Yeah. And... That was the... That was the... Uh, yeah, A2. The, yeah, uh, and that brings... I mean, that brings you right into the perspective of Tomac. Like, yeah. he... Their minds are about the same. Yeah. I mean, they're he doesn't care about that press coverage. He just yeah. and if he doesn't have it, doesn't have it. He'll tell you, you know, I just I suck. But back to Webb, he's the opportunist. He is. He is. He's always going to be there. He is. He's, he is a magician. I tell Michelle, like I, I'm an old tennis guy. I am not a huge fan of Rafael Nadal. But damn it, that guy was a, a competitor. Webb has Webb he, has the ability to see what another rider's going to do. Webb is, he's got very special talent when it comes to that. Like the, he can, he knows what that rider in front of him is going to do. He knows what that rider behind him is going to do. And he, he's not much of a rider, I believe, in my opinion, to race behind him. I mean, this is what you can't race behind you. you got to race yeah. in front of you. And he just has a feeling. He's got some sort of sixth sense. Like he's one with his bike. He's yeah. one with, last year he was not one with his bike. No. He, he, him and that bike were like a, an old married couple that 
know what his competitors are going to do. Yeah. You know, to choose the lines and to get around these guys and to, and he can adapt in ways that these other riders can't. And that's why, that's what puts him in the, gives him the red plate this week because yeah. of, of what he can do. Now, I mean, we look at Tanner Oxen. That, that, that's where we got to go because we talked about Barsha. We talked about the podium. We talked about off the podium. We talked about Tomac and Sexton. We talked about Barsha and, and who he is, but damn it, he got on the podium. And we talked about Webb. He got on the podium. Mm-hmm. The one we have for, kind of forgotten about, and also, like, as great as he is, I love him for who he is. But he's also, there's always something wrong. But damn it, what came, happened in Indy? He came out with it. And, and he was on it. That boy was on it. Well, Kickstarter Kenny came out of nowhere because, like you said, there's always something wrong. There's, always. He was even sick. He said, I- I've been sick. Yeah. I've been sick. And like, you just won a Supercross. You w- weren't that sick. No. Like, and last year I was sick. You know, yeah. I've been battling a sickness all year. And it's, it's always something. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Ken Roxon fan, but um, he's got these issues. But this weekend was a old Kenny. I mean, that was Kenny Roxon right there. And for him to come out and do what he did on that ancient bike. But let's not forget, it wasn't that many years ago that ancient bike won 20 out of 24 motocrosses. And it did a lot of winning with him on it. Yeah. And I, I think that's what brought him back to that bike. Yeah, the kickstart. Kickstart's not gonna Kickstart's not a big slow deal. you down in that much. in that in that world. Yeah, it's I not was a big thinking, deal. I was even thinking in my enduros hair scrambles. I'd rather have the electric start, but in enduros, dude, give me a Suzuki because if I crash, I'm not in a huge rush anyway. If you in this sport period at that level, like you said, it's much different. But in this sport, if you crash, you don't have it anyway. You yeah. know what I mean? That yeah. takes it right out of you. Like your adrenaline's gone, your rush is gone. Yeah. You don't. You don't want to get back up. I mean, you do it. You jump back on and you go. But yeah. for the rest of that race, you don't have it. I mean, in my, in my opinion, you'll talk to all these pros. They're the same way. It drains you. you mentally, physically. Your bike is tired. Yes, it is. And then to kick it on top of that. But that's the only... You're already drained. So that extra little kick sucks. But that little push start, it's not that much different. I guess Denny Stevenson has brought up... And I love his analysis. And for those of you who don't know, Denny Stevenson... Was a 125 champion. Um, also, he, he's he's one of the guys. If you've ever watched the uh, not Terraforma Moto Moto no no what was it Oh my God not what was the not Terraforma Oh oh We're, sorry we sucked the so some of the old motocross videos from the 90s. Denny Stevenson was on there, so he's back in the day. But he even said he's like these. Since Suzuki has won, he he said Kenny would never win on a Suzuki, mm-hmm. and he has, and I appreciate it. Being a person in the industry, person he's like, hey, look, I was wrong. Now I'm gonna say, all of these companies, Honda, Kawasaki, Yamaha, and the KTM group, you've all wasted your money mm-hmm. because you just lost to a bike that hasn't improved itself. Since 2018. And all of you have spent money every single year improving your bike. And you just lost to a bike that hasn't improved itself since 2018. And I appreciate him saying I was wrong. I also, that's a pretty cold take. That's a cold take. And for you and I as being, you ride at Kawasaki, I ride at Yamaha, YF, 
YZ250FX, so I ride the off-road version of the 250F, and dude, I do have a push button, and guess what? It is a beautiful thing. As a as an old man, there is nothing, well, mine's actually on this side, there is nothing like hitting that button and not having to kick, yeah. but I thought about it this weekend, I'm like, dude, in the endure, I think I fell like four times this weekend. If I had a, two, if I had a what are they called, RMZ250, if I had an RMZ250 and I had to kick it, I don't think it would have affected anything. No. I don't think I'd want to do it on a motocross track because you've lost. But in some of the aspects of off-road motorcycles, my buddy just sold a 450 RMZ. He bought it for he bought it and sold it for more than he bought it for. Because the bike is freaking for us, for us. That RMZ is more than we're ever gonna all this. BS that they put on bikes now, we don't need. We don't need. No, I mean, you're talking these factory bikes that are $50,000 bikes. Yeah. I mean, we're never going to experience what one of those feels. No. And all this all this hype about, you know, the Kickstart, the, 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 the unchanged RMZ, yeah. that, that thing picks up and starts right away. And I mean, if, by the way, my buddy, we, we went to an Enduro. It's, actually, we went, to, uh, we went to, before it shut down, 74MX. We go there. Pull the bikes out of the trailer. I rode with my buddy. Pull the bikes out of the trailer. I'm hitting the button. He kicks his once. I'm still hitting the button. His cranked. Yeah. RMZ. YZ. Mm-hmm. I had a push button. His cranked before mine did. Yeah, exactly. And and it's funny because they're sitting on a line at a Supercross. They're in a gate. 22 people. Once they crank them, their goal is that bike's not shutting off the rest of the race. Mm-hmm. So the technology, yes, Maybe behind. I'll, the the bigger story to me is HEP. Dustin Pipes was in, in being a motocross fan. Derek can appreciate this. Dustin Pipes was a dude in a band yeah. five years ago, chasing the Supercross dream, and now he runs a team. Not only does he have a Supercross outdoor team, he also has a World Supercross team, mm-hmm. and he also has. Let's not forget, Kenny's on a separate team. Because HEP is Twisted T and Suzuki. Kenny's on Progressive and X-Star, which is a Suzuki battery or something. They're their tools or whatever. And then their World Supercross team, which is not which is under Dustin Pipes something. It's it's mm-hmm. completely different. So forget that Kenny won. The business side, the, the part that okay. you and I are like. This dude started from zero, mm-hmm. and now they just won a Supercross. Yep. Supercross. They, they they won a Supercross. And I will tell you, they're not getting all that help from Suzuki. No, but look look at the, the emotion that went into, yes. into that win. Like th- These guys have worked their living asses off to mm-hmm. win one of these races. And yeah. I mean, with the, the big crash from Brandon Hartraff this year, the practice crash, and what they've already been through this season, and then you know getting... Getting Ken Roxon was a big deal, but Ken Roxon, you know, his, his his big days were over. But to see this this weekend was, and the way that he won it, I mean, that boy just went out there and rode it. Yeah, and he, I mean, and nobody and he maintained it. it. Yeah, because Barsha was coming. Barsha was coming, but then Barsha got locked out. Like he yeah, just, but the, the end of that race was just. I was I watched it in bed, you know, and I was gripping my sheets. I, I mean. I was mind blown with that race through and through. It was an 
that was probably the most exhilarating race this year. So talk to me a little about this because coming from the motocross side, there's been a lot of talk this year about Chisholm, uh, Kyle Chisholm, Florida boy. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, a real estate mogul. His wife owns a uh, a company that sells clothes for women. Uh, they they buy and sell and flip houses. But Chisholm has been a massive privateer on Yamahas for many years. Mm-hmm. Shane McElrath was almost a two two fifty champion. Um, he is the world WSX two fifty champion mm-hmm. right now. They're both on HEP, the proper, we'll say the proper uh, Twisted T team. Yeah. Um, people have been making fun of Chisholm and McElrath because neither one of them have been doing what they normally would do. Ken wins, mm-hmm. laps both of them, but they're both, if you look at their results, they both have good races. They both had good races that race, and people are like, they're not doing. Explain to a little bit, I don't know if you know, but what Chisholm is actually doing for that team and how little McElrath has actually had a chance to be on that team as to where they are and the fact that this small team is housing three 450 riders. The Chisholm and McElrath are very underrated. Those boys can ride, and I've witnessed myself not just the pro part of them riding but at Dade City here I've watched Chisholm riding you know I I watched him and uh, Tyler Bowers battle it out you know a few years back here and that that whole HEP team is I mean it's they're they're to me they're they're a building they're a house that's not quite built yet you know they're the foundation's laid but I think they're they're going to be an up and rising team yet. That McElrath and McElrath alone is a well known rider. The boy can ride. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And how much time has he had on the bike? That's the thing. This this kid is. You go back and watch videos of Shane McElrath ride, and that that kid can ride, but he's not. He, he's learning this bike all over. Yeah. And to us, that might not make a difference, but. I'm, I'm a big bike feeling guy. The, the feel of the bike to me is everything. I can't ride a Yamaha. I cannot race motocross on a Yamaha because I'm a small guy and they're big bikes. They're they're fat. I, are you calling me fat? I sure am. Okay. <laughs> but the, the bikes are, they're, they're a fat bike. They're, for my body, they're, I can't hold it. I feel like I can't hold it right. I'm not comfortable. And I think a lot of that is what McElrath is going through right now that, He's he's got the good foundation. He's got a good team. He's got what's what's going on is is great. But I don't think that the bike is right for him. Well, he just came off a Honda. Didn't he? Yeah, and a Honda's a very narrow bike. I'm looking to switch to Honda because of the the statue of the bike. And people don't understand at that level that little bit of feeling makes a huge difference. I mean, the way these guys ride, you know, their their handlebars being a half inch wide can screw their entire riding style. Chisholm has been on Yamaha for ever. Ever. I mean, when you ride a bike that long, to switch to a bike that feels totally different. And for those that don't know, Chisholm, the reason Eli signed with Star for the... Because Eli had the option of retiring. Mm -hmm. The reason Eli signed with Star for 23 was because Chisholm had set up the bike for Eli. Mm -hmm. 
Eli tested it and said, okay, I'll stay. Then Chisholm all of a sudden gets hired by Hep Mm -hmm. to go ride Suzuki. He's been with Yamaha for years as a privateer, but he there's a lot there's a lot in the backside that Chisholm does for Yamaha. Yeah. Then he gets hired by Suzuki, and they're like, "Hey, we have a chance to get Roxon. Can you set up a bike?" Well, unbeknownst to many of us, Chisholm actually had ridden with Roxon so many times that he had ridden Roxon's old bikes. So then he goes to Suzuki and sets up the bike for Suzuki. For Roxon to try. And Roxon chose Suzuki because the bike just felt right. Yes, because Chisholm... So Chisholm not only set up a bike for Yamaha... Okay, Eli. Mm-hmm. He leaves, goes and sets up a bike for Suzuki. By the way, Chisholm is a rider for HEP, but he's also their developmental guy. So his results aren't necessarily the most important thing. His... His is what we don't know. We have no idea because that's stuff they don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Is he trying stuff during the races? Is he riding things that they want to try later on? And you'll never know. But this this is where I say that Chisholm is very underrated. Yeah. No. Sure, he's not out there. I mean, you guys probably watch these races and you're like, yeah, you know, he's an okay race. Maybe you don't even know who Kyle Chisholm is. Kyle Chisholm is. But the kid is. He's not a kid anymore. Yeah. I mean, but he's a very underrated rider. He his his mentality, his his expertise on the bikes. Yeah. I mean, he he might not be an underrated rider, you know, out on the track, but he's an underrated rider because of what he can do yeah. and his, what he does for his setup team. skills, his his yeah bike management, his his. And, and Derek can explain this a little better. I, I'm just a rider. I just get on and ride. I, Jason, Jason constantly is telling me like, "Dude, we got to work on this for you in your cockpit." There's a rider triangle, and Chisholm has been able to master that rider triangle. And what's amazing is he can chameleon. He can master that rider triangle for Roxon, multiple people, and he masters that rider triangle for Eli Tomac on two different bikes. And I will tell you. Each of those manufacturers has a way that their bike works the best. And, I mean, a side note of that is Eli Tomac decided to come race this year because of the bike. Yeah. And to even sign it all because he wanted to ride the bike first. Yeah. And look at the guy that's setting this bike up. I mean, so, I mean, that plays a huge, huge part in it. So those guys that are finishing 15th to 21st, 22nd, they don't suck. No. They also may be filling in roles for a team. Yeah. Um, Chisholm's not long for this sport. He's been in it for so long. He's got a role in HEP after he retires. Um, McElrath, uh, Bogle, uh, Colt Nichols, a lot of those guys, A-Ray, Kid Clayson, those guys are battling for those secondary spots yeah. that, that fill. But they're also freaking Amazing riders. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything else on Indy? I don't think, I mean, I think we covered it all. Like we, we've been on such a tangent, but just about the business side of motocross. Yeah. I mean, that's like we said we were going to get into, but um, yeah, just overall, just an amazing race. It was awesome to see Roxon win it, and when so many people doubted him. I mean, yeah. so many people doubted it. I honestly didn't think he was going to be able to do it, and he did it like a champ. To, 
He lapped Sexton. Yeah. I mean, he lapped Chase Sexton. Yeah. So we were off to ninth, ninth place, lapped, and um, that's just out of this world. I got a question for you though, since since you are a Barsha fan, why not let why not let Roxon have his moment with the Kickstarter? Why why say I was trying to get my team to bring me a battery so we can celebrate with the like just. Don't I get be, it. Don't be a dick one time. Though. Yeah, I do get that. I I laughed at it. I thought it was funny. It but, was funny. But then you, you you think about it, and maybe maybe Justin Barsha's humor isn't. We don't understand it. I understand it because I, I can be a dick too, and I thought it was hilarious. But I think some other people that don't have dickish tendencies are weren't so thrilled about that. I, I think I think he was trying to, not just because I'm a fan of Justin Barter or nothing. I think he was trying to encourage the the Ken moment with that. I Cause, I, I do. Cause, I I think because Michelle, my wife, the the reason I get to do this, we're watching the race and she's like, she's not a not she's not a not Barsha fan. She's not a not Ken fan. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like. Why not just like Ken have his moment? What? Why? Why do you have to do that? And I'm like, it's Barsha. She's like, I understand, but that's another reason he's just a dick. And that's coming from my professional wife. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's a professional. She's just like, why? Like, just let it go. Like, yeah, it's fun. Is it fun? I mean, I've seen some of the memes. We're not going to discuss. Oh that, yeah, that have yeah. been held up and like it's great, but also Ken. Dude, it's a little overplayed. Like we get it. Like they're even saying on the on the broadcast, kickstart Kenny. It's like, dude, you kicked the bike one time. Like if you have to kick the bike twice, something's wrong. Like Th- those bikes stay running. Yes, unless you go down hard, those bikes are running when they yeah. pick them up. Yeah, I mean for the most part. It, yeah, it's amazing this thing called a recluse clutch that no one will ever tell you about, but th- th- a lot of them have this recluse clutch in them that the bike will run. All the time. Yeah. It doesn't clutch, shut up. The clutch is engaged. Yeah. I mean, it... Yeah, so, it's okay, but we get it. We understand. So, real quick. So, we've discussed Indy. We've discussed Daytona. We've discussed who we are. We're going to real quick cover Alligator Enduro. Bike Week happens. There's Supercross. There's GNCC. And then, sometimes, the Alligator Enduro is a national Enduro. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, it's not. This year, it was not a national Enduro. Um, limited space... I think it was 250 riders, maybe 225. I'm not sure. You can check me if you. It doesn't matter. Still a ton of riders. Yeah, I mean, a ton of riders. Um, it was a sprint enduro format this year, which means you started out on your line, but then the rest of the race, you, whatever you got done, if you wanted to go, you could go. There was no time frame. You had an hour and a half in each check to get. The first check was seven and a half. So the first test was seven and a half. Second test seven. Last test six. And we did those three tests three times. So the ninth test was basically the, the third test mm-hmm. for the third time. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, it was dry, and some of the whoops got big. And if you're if you're not a Florida rider, when it's dry down here, it's like riding on ice. The <laughs> the, the sand, the sugar sand, the yeah, just the, this this is a whole another style of riding like. I know a lot of the, the PA people maybe are going to watch this, and you'll never experience that dirt up there because when it's dry down here, it's so dry that 
you can pour water out and it lays on top. It doesn't even soak in because everything is so dry. So imagine riding your bike through literally white sugar. Yeah, I mean, it, they call it sugar sand for yeah. a reason. And, and I'll give you an idea. I'm actually, I, we were watching uh, my GoPro last night. I made it through the first two tests, we, or the first two loops. Mm-hmm. Um, the tests were short enough that I actually could get all loops. So I got the first three tests. I got on the next battery, I got the second three loops and then I haven't watched the third one yet but you can see that Michelle who's my, my wife does not race my wife watches she's a fan she she she's like oh some of those loops are trying to get big yeah. and that was in the second loop the third loop they're they're deep. they're deep and you're just surviving but if you want to watch an average guy go through um you can go to our YouTube channel basically Michelle and Trey real estate something on YouTube you can find it if you and you'll be able to see like we're gonna try to break them up to one loop, two loop, three loop, and so that you can see the three loops because the first loop, the track is oh my god, it's like whoo, this is fun. Like yeah. second loop, it's like okay, this is cool. Like there's a little bit like I actually doubled a couple loop sections, and I'm like oh this is neat. Third loop, it's like all right, I'm just gonna even oh, Jason said he's like Thank if you. you just go out there and finish, you're gonna beat some people because they're not gonna finish mm-hmm. and. So it was 69 miles of, of racing on these three loops, and that was cool. Alligator Enduro was great, good, great racing. Uh, we had a pro. We had a GNCC pro. Uh, we had an Enduro pro racing it. We had one of the world champions come race it. I don't know any other guys because I don't. I actually don't look at the results. I'm just a racer. So there for the fun. Right? I'm just there for the fun. I have my buddy Jason Crowley. We both go race together. We go eat Mexican food the night before. We find a off-script Mexican restaurant with the Cinco de Mayo and and uh, Palm Coast. Mm-hmm. Had a great, true Mexican dinner. Um, spent the night or during Bike Week. I will tell you, our motel was yes. We stayed in a Super Eight in Ormond Beach because it's Bike Week. That room was two hundred dollars. There were across the street. So if this is where we were. Literally across the highway was where they the Bike Week stuff. Not in Daytona Beach was happening at the the JP Cycles and all that right across yeah. the street. That's where we were staying. I got the best night's sleep. We had bikers staying all around us. Mm-hmm. You could hear the concert happening. Oh, yeah. When I went to bed, I did not wake up till it was time to get up. Our dog, who went with us, Copper, did not wake up, did not bark. My buddy who wakes up at everything, he's like, dude, I'm going to go to Nassim. He's these bikers with him. Honestly, I want to I wanna applaud the Bike Week crew, because they party. But in our hotel, they were the most respectful people that I've ever been around. And it was awesome. Like, thank you, bikers. Like, that was cool. Um, So, Bike Week's Alligator Enduro is over. We haul ass back home. I get home. I I literally take my suitcase, change out clothes because I'm going from Florida to Georgia. Hop in the truck at 3.45 on Friday morning, and I take my nephew to the G- general GNCC. Because during bike week, you have Supercross, you have the quad, what do they call it, the wild boar or something, yeah. GNCC, quads, and you have the bikes on Sunday, and then you have you have the RCMX, Ricky the RCSX, yeah. RCSX, and then you have the vintage, and you have the quad, Supercross, and then they all head to Georgia. And they have this at Iona Pass motocross track, which is a next week they're having a Loretta Lens qualifier mm-hmm. at 
at this Iona Pass, Friday on the way up, it poured, 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 I mean, poured rain. Like, my daughter was worried that her car in Tallahassee was getting hit with hail. We get up there about 1.30. It's not raining anymore. My nephew goes and takes his e-bike because he's got an e-mountain bike. Goes and rides the track. I'm like, hey, how's it? He comes back. His bike looks like it had been through, like, a mud <laughs> bog. And I'm, he's like, oh, it looks good. And I'm like, okay. Like, cool, whatever. He goes out. races. We get there Saturday morning. Track is... Now, you have to understand, for GNCCs, there's... 1,500, 2,000 riders for the weekend. I mean, it's crazy. Between quads and bikes, people will start coming in on Thursday. When we left on Saturday afternoon, there were guys coming in for the motorcycle race on Sunday, but there were already people there. Like, it's nonstop. From Thursday through Sunday, it's nonstop. So, he races on Saturday. He doesn't get the whole shot. To be quite honest, the guy to the left jumped the start. I have it on video. The guy like the guy waves the flag before the guy waves the flag. The guy's taking off, but MJ gets on the utility quad, gets second, gets into the lead, and leads the first three laps. Fifty seconds, almost a minute. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, I'm substitute manager role. I'm gonna get a win. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on the podium. I'm so pumped. And then I get a text that, hey, I'm on the phone with MJ. He's broken down at mile marker five and a half, and I'm like. What? Yeah, he broke a tie rod. Literally, this kid, all he wanted to do was prove that he wasn't just a Florida Santa rider and win in something besides Florida. Mm-hmm. So we go to Georgia. He's leading the race. He didn't hit anything. He did like th- these utility quads. If you've if you've seen the utility quads, you know they're a beast. They're, they're, it sounds like a small block Chevy when they crank yeah. it up. It sounds like a small block Chevy. They're they're animals, and and somehow. We don't know if it's a timeout issue. We don't know if inadvertently he hit something. But the tie rod was still in the tie rod post, but the tie rod broke. Snapped off. Snapped off. So he went to turn left. The left tire went right, and the right tire went left. And it looked like he was snow plowing in a mm-hmm. kid's snow skiing yeah. picture. So he didn't finish. He was four and a half miles from winning the race. So guess what? This is, this is the cool thing of racing. Sucks sometimes, but he gets towed back. Literally gets towed back to the pits by. They jack him up. They tow him in. Mm-hmm. We have to get him into the trailer. We're talking. We're, we're shooting shooting the breeze. We get in the truck and we load up the trailer and we cruise back home. Eight hours, and that was, and we come home and now it's like okay he resets. He's got three weeks to the next GNCC. Um, he's gonna go. He's gonna go work the FTR races. There's an FTR race this weekend. Um, in Dade City. Um, great track, by the way. If you're in Florida and you want to go do a great race, FTR is hosting an FTR race in Dade City um, on Bellamy Brothers Road. I'm going to Sebring for the IMSA race. I don't. I have a couple weeks off of my racing. You Dade, might go to Dade, Dade City. We have a Dade City local series race this, yep. this uh And, and those, this are the things, those are the things we want to cover. We want to cover, like, I'm going to be at IMSA, which is cars, but can I meet with some people that – are involved in cars. How does that logistics work for them? What do they do? What is it like to race the amateur series? My nephew's off. He's going to go work the race. So can I get a report from him on what it's like to not race? What's it like to work a race? Mm -hmm. And those are the things we want to cover because there's so many aspects of 
the racing in Florida that you can be involved in. And now that I'm doing this really kind of limited schedule, I'm going to go watch a lot more races than I used to because it was all about me racing. And for you, it was all about you racing. And now it's more about what's going on. And that's where we are now. So there's FTR, there's, there's motocross, there's the GNCC, there's Enduros. But really for Florida, if we're really serious, it's FTR for the hair scrambles. Mm -hmm. And there's multiple series in the motocross. So when it comes to the FTR side, that's going to be my coverage. When it comes to the motocross, that's going to be Derek's coverage. But guess what? I'm going to go to the motocross stuff. Oh yeah. And I'm going to, we're going to try to start meeting people. And if you know anybody that we can talk to, we'd love to talk to them. Like, we're not opposed to like embarrassing ourselves. We're, we're, we're new to this, but we love it. Like We love the sport, and we want to cover it. And we just want to, we're very fortunate. We have the ability. I think I'm very fortunate. I'm in an industry that allows me to travel. And I think you're in the same boat. Is we can go do this stuff and still live life. Yeah. So... Derek, I want you to wrap it up for us, and then we'll say goodbye. So this, like this, um, this this podcast here was a little bit long. Like we had a lot we wanted to cover. Uh, there was a lot went on these last couple of weeks, yeah. and you know this this thing's been building for for months now. We've been talking about this, and um, but th- this past week there's just a lot of big races that we we had to cover, um, re- regardless of you know what's going on. Um, like Trey said, we we want to cover. I personally, from a motocross standpoint, and a lot of guys that want to come down here, you know, you, your, your families, your kids want to bring bring their kids down here to ride, or you guys want to come down and ride. I, I want to be that guy that can can tell you what these tracks are that you're getting into, and um, maybe provide some GoPro coverage of me riding some of these tracks. And you know, from a, a I'm old, I'm getting old, I'm slowing down, but it's still a faster standpoint. So you can you can see the track, and you can get a, a pretty good analysis of what's going on down here. And, same with the races, and um, like Trey said, it's you know we got a little bit of free time. We can do this, and fortunately, and um, it's getting busier with my kids racing, but that still puts me at the races that we want to cover and meet some of these guys. And and like Trey said, if, if there's anybody that we can meet or anybody that um, would be up for an interview or um, just wants to talk racing with us, um, you know we'll have we'll have this up on some platforms that answer questions, ask questions, you know. Um, we're here. We, we, we want to have fun with this. We, we hope everybody starts following us. Um, give us a like, shout out, um, and we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah. And, and to finalize stuff, we shot this on my iPhone tonight, but we actually have some podcast equipment that we're, we actually have real podcast equipment that we're going to start working it's on. It's a work in progress. And I mean. we're going to do it on my phone for YouTube, but we're also, I, I actually have a Podbean, Podbean platform that I pay for and we're going to dump the audio on the Podbean so it'll be on iTunes and it'll be under Beyond the Curve and on the YouTube it'll be on Beyond the Curve motocross section of Michelle and Trey because even though we're in real estate and and Derek is one of our true handymen but also an investor in real estate we're we this is what we enjoy I will tell you right now my wife and I love what we do but it's our job it's not our passion and we want to cover what other people do for fun. And next week will be a little shorter because we're only going to cover was it Detroit. And if if I, if I get NJ to come in and sit in with us, we'll talk about what it was like to work the the, the FTR race. And if you go to the Dead City, and, 
I'll talk a little bit about IMSA just because it's it's racing. It's going to be cars, but it'll just be a quick quick blur. But yeah. next week will be a little quicker, and we'll start talking about things like that. But it's going to be about the national series and our life and and our series and what we're doing. And that's going to be the weekly thing. And if we have a guest, we'll tie in that guest. And, and if we can get some video going and things like that, we're going to improve it as we go. But it's something we want to do because we're just interested in racing. We're not going to have like tinfoil hat stuff. We're not going to have random thoughts. We're going to talk about the things we see as the racers we are and as the fans we are. Yeah, just, just the, the pure passion for the sport. Yeah. I mean, there's... There's no really other way to describe it. It's just something we're very passionate about. Um, the racing, the the business part of the racing, the, the watching other people ride, us riding. I mean, it's just a. There's not a lot of coverage on what we're talking about. There's, yeah. there you know people they there's other podcasts that review the races, but nothing nothing talks about the local races around here and um, gives a real spotlight on the, our amateurs because a lot of these amateurs are what you're going to be seeing on TV someday. I mean, and I would, I would love, and not to interrupt Derek, but I would love to, we have four or five really important tracks in Florida and we would love to get tied in with those tracks to be able to come cover the big races when they happen. Um, I know kind of Gatorback's kind of, it's unlimited, uh, it's unlimited MX or whatever. It's mm-hmm. good, but like Pax Track and Moto Bros and Dade City and some of those like, I would love to be able to go to some of those races. Now that I'm literally racing once a month, mm-hmm. pretty much, man, I got time. Like, I got time. Like, once I get through this week, my life goes back to normal. I, the, these past two weeks, I will have been home as much as I've been on the road yeah. in two weeks' time period. And it's like, okay, after this week, I'm, I'm kind of back to normal. So I'd love to start going to some of these. Okay, what series is coming up? And as long as I'm in town, then I'll go, I'll go watch. Even if I just watch practice, we can start pinpointing Hey, I saw the number 842, and damn, they're good. Yeah. And we can maybe figure out who those guys are and get them on the podcast and maybe talk to the parents because not only is it the kid, we're business people. Hey, mom, dad, how are you doing this? And, Somebody's got to pay for this. And, and why are you doing this? And yeah. what's it for? And and I, I want the truth. If it's because they're chasing a dream or it's something the family enjoys doing together, there's nothing wrong with either one of those answers. No. And I will tell you right now, my wife allows me to do what I do because it keeps me sane. And I'm not joking. I'm not halfway even no, kidding. It's... My wife says I have to be competitive. I suck. I'm not winning. But because I'm out there competing, it keeps me sane. This riding in general keeps us going. Yeah. I, mean, I, I Like, I, I retired in 2013, and it just, I was never the same person until I got back on the bike. It's just, it's what we're passionate about. It's what we do. And that's what this is going to become. And. Um, hope you guys enjoyed every every last bit of it, and it's only gonna get better from here. So, well, for Derek, Derek and Trey, this has been Beyond the Curve, the MX side, and I say the MX side because there's also gonna be the business side. At one point, Derek and I are gonna sit down and I'm interviewing him about business, and that's gonna be the business side of Beyond the Curve because, as a racer, you know this: when you get into a corner, you look beyond the curve to get to where you want to go. And that's why Beyond the Curve is so important because in business and in racing, and then, by the way, in horses, as soon as you get to the corner, you're looking through the corner, beyond the curve to get to where you want to go. And that's what we're trying to get to with this podcast is we're trying to get beyond the curve. So thank you for listening. Derek, thank you for your time. Thank you for the use of your toy hauler. And good night, everybody.